guys, welcome back to another episode of Hospitality TV. Today we're at home base and born and raised, Little Italy, San Diego. Have a guest that I'm super pumped to have in house with us, um, Anthony Smith. What is the bar director, bar uh, manager, bartender? What's what's the proper title here, sir? I think I think that's uh, I, I, I probably unfortunately all of them. <laughs> and, and you know, I I think it's a it's a great conversation to start off on because uh, ultimately the my my original intention when I you know when I was just starting out with this role was to be a big brother to, to bar managers and I, I knew that I made a lot of my own mistakes and the the, the core intent or the, the desired outcome of my position was to hopefully not have other people who were in a management position overlooking the bar so the things that I was I was most familiar with which is bar operation uh, specifically uh, beverage alcohol and, and spirits not not as much related to wine but more so emphasis on cocktails right uh, if if I had made a mistake they wouldn't have to make the same mistake right. or if they were making the same mistake or they were going down that path I could coach them out of it right. and then they would have a, a more holistic understanding of, of their position but I still bartend. Right. Uh, I'm I'm very proud of that. I, I, I love it very much. I'm I'm going into a new phase of my life. I'm I'm expecting my my first child. Congratulations! And thank it's you. Amazing. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's it's been a really incredible experience. My wife's pregnancy has been amazing, and uh, just visualizing my career in a in a way as a dad is really reiterating the the, the core. Uh, intrinsically positive values of being a bartender and I, and I think there are quite a few of what it is to be a professional bartender uh, how so I you know I, that's a great question I it's a it's a tricky trade I, I think it's tricky in the way that I I'm in front of a guest and I make something for that guest so there's this immediate feedback loop, mm -hmm. right? There's a guest who, just like you're sitting, or both of us are sitting here at the bar, um, I'm I'm able to make them something a la minute based on their information they give me, right? right? So they tell me, well, I love, you know, I love light, refreshing, gin-based cocktails. Well, I can take that information, reiterate that to them, come back with something that was literally along those lines, and, and it turns into this experience where very very clearly I've listened to them I've heard them right and because of that it, it's it's this immediate gratification feedback loop that you get with a guest who sits in front of you at a bar totally that can be really contagious right uh, that's super interesting I used to think about that too it's like this business is super unique in the sense that when you're putting out a product you have an op we're in an opportunity where we can get instant feedback like there's not a lot of other industries you'd have to do polling or send out surveys or things like that you can literally put out a product and watch people's reactions yeah as they consume it and sometimes you know you you give someone a drink uh, maybe at a table you know you're, you're pairing wines with a meal you might leave that table well as a bartender they're right there they're right. not going anywhere right. they're right there with me and because of that, it, it really motivated me to do the, at least when I was beginning and learning the, the tradition of, learning the tradition of fresh juice, uh, classic cocktails made with not only modern technique, but classic technique that was tested by time. Traditions from, you know, my predecessors that led to really good results. 
And, and I really poured into that. I, I, really, I really dedicated myself to that as, as a scholar. And, and in return, I got this incredible feedback. Loop. Right. So what happens is, unfortunately, we get in the situation where some, some people take that immediate gratification and it, and it can turn into some toxic outcomes. You know, when someone really loves what you do, uh, it, it feeds that part of your ego that can sometimes be dangerous. Right. Unless, unless you're in a place in your life where you can know that sometimes that, that feedback is, you know, it'll give you a big head. Yeah. And a big head can turn into late nights. Totally. Sometimes a, that type of thing that isn't all the way resolved in your personal life can turn into partying. Uh, it can turn into an unhealthy lifestyle. And, you know, having, having a soon-to-be daughter, you know, in my life, it, this, that perspective has dissolved to nothing, you know? Now that it's purely for the relationship that, you know, me providing for my family in a way that, that and now I get to go into that shift and, and treat that shift as such. Mm -hmm. You know, every interaction that I have is, is a little something for my daughter. That's amazing. You know, and yeah. that has a new, a, a new intensity to the, to the position. So I'm like really reluctantly holding on, you know, I, I desperately holding on to my last shift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with all the other stuff and all the, the big brother stuff that yeah. I do, there's, there's a, it's a stretch for time. Yeah. So no, I, I, I if it was up to me, I, I'd bartend every day. Um, but bartender at heart. Yeah, for sure. it's true. Yeah, so I love it. Let me let me take a step back here, and I just love to get a feel for um, kind of how you got into the business and what your yeah. starting point was. How you, you know, how you fell into this business. Yeah, I, um, my first my first experience in a restaurant was uh, restaurant or bar, I should say, was a very important one, and it was just kind of happenstance that that it came up. A buddy of mine, it, um, I had left for college, I should say, and a buddy of mine had stayed back in the San Francisco. Bay Area, really Silicon Valley is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so I left to San Diego State and I was coming back for a summer uh, at home and I needed some extra work and some extra cash so I could, you know, fool around with my friends and do whatever I wanted to do. But my buddy got this job at a restaurant called Mojo. And Mojo was uh, owned and operated by uh, Donald Link. Donald Link, who is now a, a world famous really incredible chef and, and was making incredible food there at, at that store and, and really teaching tons and tons of hospitality just by cooking. Uh, he's gone on now to open, you know, first he opened Herb Saint and, and lasted through Katrina in, in New Orleans and then Cochon and now Cochon Butcher and mm -hmm. he's, he's become an institution of his own right, a James Beard award winner right. in New Orleans. But I, he was... The first person that I saw, I watched care about what he was making and what he was going to give to the person who was sitting in his place, who had saved up money to spend at his place. To him, that was precious. And from his roots and from his upbringing, he was he was the one to teach that. He was he was pretty stern about it. He was, I mean, it wasn't like he was, you know, all roses and daisies all the time with the guy. He was. He was very serious about what he did. Right. Uh, and that was a tremendous motivation for me. I, I don't think I really fully understood it at the time because I was only 18 years old. Right. And I was still kind of just, just learning. But man, it had a huge impact on, on yeah. me. And you look back on it now. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
so down the line a little bit, I come back from from. Isn't that crazy? Oh, Sorry to interrupt, but like like I like the more years you spend in the business too, you realize like what were the subtle moments, and then yes. now obviously when you get into higher positions, you're like shit. I might be in a position to provide that moment for somebody else who's exactly. looking up at me. And it really, the more you try to remind yourself of that, like I think the more importance and pride you can take in the work that you're doing, because how awesome is that? If somebody looks back, like, no, actually that was the moment, like when you did that, that was, when I witnessed that, that was the moment that kind of made me want to get into this business. Yeah. It's just, it's, it it's just so crazy, It was crazy, the first right? person oh, it goes full circle. that really genuinely cared mm -hmm. about what he was doing and had a real clear sense of why he was doing it. And, and that resonated with me in a, in a very serious way. I, again, I don't think I could like really clearly define it until way down the line for me, but I come back to San Diego, I get a job as uh, a, a bouncer at a, like a beer and a shot bar is how, how we typically define them. I, I don't think that that's necessarily fair. It's just like a high volume sports bar mm -hmm. essentially is, is what the place was. And so I'm doing this like door guy thing and I, I just found a way to, to make it successful. I went in, when I first went into the place, coming with all the knowledge that I had just learned from this, you know, a James Beard award-winning chef, who would eventually be, but learned all these great lessons from this guy, and I brought that type of professionalism to my next, what some people would think is like a simple thing to just get some wages, you know? I, but I didn't really think of it that way. I, right. I thought of it as an opportunity to kind of sharpen my hospitality knives, so to speak, and, and, and really interact with a lot of different people and interact with a team. And, and very shortly after that, I, I became kind of a, I guess, a, a, a leadership role. There wasn't really a role for it, but I was essentially scheduling the, the door team or the security team. Uh, and then shortly after that, I graduated college and there was this like fateful moment where I was given the choice to either be a bartender was like, look, you're you're a smart guy. You've graduated college. As as you know, you've worked your way up in this in this bar. You can either be a manager for us, or you can be a bartender, and it's your choice. And so, of course, I choose to be a manager because I like graduate college and thinking to myself, I got to take you know, the most professional way out right, of this. Right. Right. If I'm a, if I'm a manager. Then, then I'm a professional, right. and that's I can look my parents in the eyes and say, "Look at what college gave me. Look at how great this is." <laughs> Lo and behold, here I am now, a bartender, wishing I could be. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's all a, a myth. The professional bartender is is alive and well, and probably healthier <laughs> as a trade, as a craft. Right, you know, right. It's, right. It's oh, something totally. we can do with yeah. our hands yeah. and produce rent. Right. That it's something that is is very much alive and well today, and, and is healthier than it's ever been. And I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did the manager thing for a while. Uh, that setting, that certain type of setting, w where there wasn't a lot of care and consideration for for each other in that place. And by that I mean, you know, we we were merchants of like essentially high volume. We, no one was really mindful of what they were consuming you know not that that should always be the case and there's certainly a place for that and, and i even indulge in that sometimes where i'm just like you know what give me a, a cheap beer and a shot of whiskey and i'm, sure. I'm happy guy right. but when you're doing it that much and it's it's becomes your it becomes your career that coming from a place of tutelage like donald link where this guy was caring and i was learning so much and i was i was fueled by that I needed to find that again, 
and that was kind of my urge. My initial instinct was to just get out of the industry yeah. and continue to learn. So I yeah. went back to graduate school where I met my wife. Oh, interesting. Um, was anybody that was doing awesome. that here in San Diego? Do you feel like anything close to even that level? No, when, you know? no not at all. Uh, well, th that's not true. There, there were a couple of, of, of people who were doing that. You know, the, the gals over at, at, at the time, Tractor Room, was doing fresh juice cocktails, and they, they were using ingredients that were either store-made or were using spirits that were of some type of reputable origin. Yeah. Like, they, they, were, they were wholesome in some way. Right. You know, they, they were concerned about how they were made, maybe. Uh, and that was a big Kickstarter for a lot of us in that way. Um, there was also kind of like a, an alternative like nightlife thing that was going on instead of, because we were young at the time and we, you know, we kind of, we wanted to party too, but maybe it was about how we were doing it and what we were listening to. And so then we're taking these trips, we're taking these trips to LA and we're going to these cocktail bars where these guys are like using all these great ingredients the drinks are delicious. In fact, the drinks were as much a part of the conversation between me and my friends as as like what we were doing there that night. Like right. we were talking about the cocktails, right. which was really interesting. That that was kind of a big anchor for us as as to okay, this is something we're going to take a risk on, right? This is something we believe in. And then, you know, in the same vein, we're going to these places where there's amazing entertainment. And it's just like, why can't we do this in San Diego? Why couldn't we do a place like this in our, in our town where there isn't a lot of options right. like that? And so that was, that was the, the backbone or the idea, central premise behind El Dorado. Okay. So I'm in grad school. I'm starting to become a bit disillusioned by the industry because of whatever and I'm just kind of like phasing myself out slowly. I have one foot in, one foot out. And uh, a couple of the bartenders at the bar I was working at ended up uh, finding a location that was relatively inexpensive. It would become El Dorado. They came to me and said, hey, you know, we, we can't, we want to do this with you. Um, we, we would love for you to be a part of this. Yeah. And so I, I jumped on as a manager for them. In, the, in its infant stages. Amazing. We're getting El Dorado, just getting it off the ground. And I remember there was this, we had this one meeting that was really important for us. At the time, I was also in grad school. And in grad school, really they're just breaking you down and, and teaching you how to make a sound argument, right? You, have, you can't just say, oh, well, I think this is important because I'm smart and you're not, you know, I, that's a ridiculous example, but <laughs> you have to back it up with evidence, sure. right? And a lot of what evidence is, is either historics, historically accurate reference or something that says, here's, here's proven evidence that this would work. And so I kind of come with that scholarly perspective on why we should do what we do. And we named the place El Dorado Cocktail Lounge. We're sitting there as a group. Uh, all the managers, owners, we're all we're all kind of powwowing, trying to like really put the final touches on what the emphasis should be at this bar. Who's the opening crew there? It was myself, uh, Nate Stanton, uh, his two younger brothers, Marshall and Matthew, yes. and then Ryan Kuntz. Got it. And who are all you know my my closest friends. Um, and I remember we all sat there. It was in at the time it was a booth right in the front window of the bar, and and 
I looked at all these guys and I said, you know, we really want to do this cocktail thing, but can any one of you tell me what a, what a cocktail is or where the word comes from? Because I can't, I can't accurately answer that. And it started this, like, we all, like, at the same moment, we all look at each other and we're like, uh, I don't think I can. <laughs> and it started this critical moment where it was, okay, well, we need to. Right. It's right. Th- it's on our sign. Right. If someone's going to come in, we should understand where that thing comes from. And if we're going to do that, then we should understand that about a lot of the stuff that we do. Right. If it's going to be the, the central premise, right? That's if that's what we want to do, we should know about it. Right. And it was such a wholesome moment. We we all unanimously agreed. We all like deep dove into into this this pool of knowledge and the and foundation then, right the foundation oh of my what gosh become. Man, like the next thing that happens is so of course we go to the internet right internet has all these great answers but at the time there was these there was a bunch of people writing cocktail blogs was really where we were finding a lot of this information and so i'm just like well i'm gonna shoot this i'm gonna shoot this blogger up an email because there wasn't a lot of people like us there wasn't there wasn't a ton of people who were doing fancy cocktail bars at the time. We right. were a really small community at the time, especially here in San Diego. But um, I just said, you know what? What the heck? I'll, I'll shoot this person an email, and sure enough, they'd write back within minutes. Yeah. And they would have, oh, you should go ask this person about this. And okay, well, we go and you know, I introduce myself and I through through email and I, I'd say who sent me, so I get some you know some type of credentials mm-hmm. to come with me. And sure enough, this person would write me back. And then this person would write me back. And all of a sudden, we're part of this bigger community who's saying, you know, you should go see this person in L.A. Or you should go talk to these people over here. Meanwhile, our cocktails are getting exponentially better, right? We're making better product. Right. Um, the drinks are delicious. And we're doing this this entertainment that, like, it was music that we would we listened to in our headphones, right. you know, it was, it was the stuff that we loved. So between the cocktails that we loved and the music that we loved, it's kind of hard to fake that when people come in. Right. So it was so genuine, the message we were sending, a lot of people wanted to be around that. Right. And one of those people was um, Arsalan Tavazzoli, the guy that would become our, our business partner and, and probably the primary financier and, and I, I, no one could like no one can touch where he is artistically as far as the design of a space is concerned and and he would essentially fill in that role in, in our group or like whatever what was your first memorable encounter with Arsalan do you remember yeah it was I, like I, the first time I was like damn I need to partner up with this guy or I want to see what he's about yeah I, I remember very specifically hanging out at, at El Dorado and I remember he had a, like, he just kind of had an analytical eye for what we were doing. Yeah. And he always asked really good questions, and he always treated us with, with a ton of respect. And I didn't really have a sense of, you know, who he was other than a neighbor. And he was just someone that was really excited about what we were doing for this little corner of the world, you know, this little tiny place in the world that he found important. And, and we shared in that, you know, we were community in that way. And he was just a just a cool dude who liked the same stuff as us. Yeah. And he was funny, and you know we told jokes together, and 
just just like anyone else would become friends. You just you have common you have commonality. Totally. Uh, he didn't. He he doesn't drink at all. Really. I mean, maybe he'd have a drink just to taste it and understand that we were doing something good. But I, he wasn't really like too concerned with that. He was more concerned that we were in in all phases trying to do the best that we could. And I think that's what he was trying to do at the same time. And so it all happened really fast after yeah. that because very shortly after that, he comes to us. He's like, look, there's, you know, I see how serious you guys take this, but there's too many people here at El Dorado. And he was right. There was too many people to, ex and with our, like, limited knowledge, there was too many people to execute the quality that we wanted to execute. There's kind of a magic number for bartenders, like number of guests mm -hmm. per bartender, depending mm -hmm. on the scope of work. You know, we really push that to a limit here at Born and Raised, but uh, to do the, the the pinnacle of excellence when it comes to, to service, your your numbers start to dwindle as far as how many how many guests per bartender. Right. And so he comes to us and says, "Hey, I have a place that would be an extreme to this, but I really want to work with you guys. Would you guys want to get involved with me on this? I'm trying to open up." I got the space next to neighborhood and I want to do a secret entrance into this hidden cocktail bar. And I want it to be like the stuff that I've seen and tried in New York. And of course we were like, well, what's, what's that all? We've never been to New York. We don't, you know, like we don't know. We've only been to LA these places are pretty cool, but right. it's like, well, let's go. And so we all look at each other and like, fuck it. We're going to go, <laughs> we're going to go learn as much as we can. So we took the same, list of, of skills that we learned which is make friends you know you could, we the we were headed to New York and we knew we kind of had to like by way of some travel you know I'm, I'm from Silicon Valley so obviously I spent time in San Francisco everybody in San Francisco that we met along the way said you got to go to New York you got to meet this person or, or someone in LA told us you got to go to New York you got to meet this person and they would transfer contacts and we'd shoot emails and next thing you know we stopped I remember me and Nate Stanton, we stopped at whatever, like, I don't even, it might have been an Airbnb or something like that. It might have been, the, like, the very first stages of Airbnb. It sounds so dated when I'm talking <laughs> like this, but anyways, we, we check into whatever right, we, we were, were talking staying about emails at. like DMs, so yeah. it's okay. <laughs> we were just, we just, we just checked in and we, it was literally like fresh off the plane, check in. Okay, we're in East Village. We think we're kind of in the right place. And, and we're like looking around uh, what's close, what's nearby. And Momofuku Sam had just opened up. And we heard that this one guy that we had to meet was at that bar. So we pop in and there's not a single person in there. It's dead, like nobody in there. And there's some bartender who's like, oh, hey, are you guys looking for somebody? Cause we're, you know, we're getting ready to close. And like, well, I mean, if, if it's okay, we want to have a drink. And so we start shooting this shit with the bartender and we said, you know, one of the people we were told to, to find was someone who's supposed to be either a bartender or something here. His name's Don Lee. And he goes, oh, well, Don's downstairs. Should have said something. <laughs> he goes, pulls Don out from downstairs, who's like working in this notoriously dungeonous little downstairs from Momofuku Sambar. And uh, he proceeds to like blow our minds right it's like you know have you ever had these pork buns from momofuku 
Okay, here, I'm gonna get you some pork buns. We'll just, we'll start talking about it. I'm just gonna get you some pork buns. And so we got the pork buns. And as soon as the pork buns land, he's straining daiquiris in front of us. He's like, oh, wait till you taste this and you try that. And oh, it's gonna be, you're gonna love this. I know you guys are gonna love this. So we, and then we're just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is incredible. It's, it's just awesome, right? And sure enough, right after that, Don is, is telling us, you know, right after you're done here, go see my buddy over here and go see this person over here. Oh, and while you're at it, here, I'm going to shoot a text message to make sure these guys are waiting for you. And every bartender from that point on did the exact same thing. Wow. It was incredible. Crazy. It was like like this chain of events that led us. And each place we're like, look, you know, this is the situation. We don't have a lot of space for an ice machine. We don't have a lot of the conveniences that, that most bars do. Okay, well, you you got to go find the guys at Milk and Honey because they do the same thing. And everyone was kind of saying the same thing. And so, sure enough, we get connected to those guys. We show up. We have cocktails. The next day, we go to the other bar that they're running. And, and from that point on it was pretty clear that we were going to get those guys to help us with noble experiment which was our hidden cocktail bar right and then it's just a, like literally it feels like that was yesterday yeah noble experiment opening it's crazy that it's on it it's on the verge of a of a decade that's insane yeah. oh my god 10 years crazy wow so how did so i think you know i think one of the the, the names i remember coming out here to help you guys with the opening there was sam ross right yeah. he's one of the big names um what were i mean a lot of people in the industry kind of i'm sure know about him but you know from your standpoint and that's so cool kind of sharing that's in, in itself is such a cool experience to hear how seemingly tight that community of bartenders yeah. are right yep. and like how cool that is to really and from it's obvious that the results that come from that right like through a strong community and interchange of ideas is how this the quality rises for everybody right and it's so Absolutely. cool to kind of hear it in that in that way but um sorry going back to bringing sam ross over what do you think were some like takeaways once you actually had him in the bar and he was there and starting to get his hands dirty with you guys like what were some of the things that maybe you were like wow i haven't seen that before or well, that's why this guy is here. That's the reason why this guy is here, helping us to, to bring this up yeah. to the level that we want it. There's so, I there's this, there's this like uh, we had blind eyes going into the situation with with Sam teaching us. So we were we were pretty raw students for this guy, right? We we had all the all the things that any teacher would really want in students, which was essentially me and Nate. Uh, who were gonna be full-time and dedicated to that bar. We were both extremely passionate. Uh, we both wanted to be there real bad. We wanted to do homework. Um, and we were competitive with each other in a really wholesome way. We were a team, but we were also like nudging each other on and seeing who could figure out the new trick or figure out what could make things more effective or more efficient. We really turned everything into a game in that way. And so we were like the ideal some to be paired with with someone like Sammy who's just coming with unlimited knowledge but you know I think when when you learn new like that exciting I'm sure like that like you've you felt this where maybe you're sitting for a meal and another another psalm might show you something in a wine that you overlooked at one point and puts it in a context that is so novel and you're just like, like you want to like punch yourself because you feel like an idiot, you know, like, why didn't I think of that? That is a brilliant idea. That 
to me is why I still do this. Yeah. That moment I experience, unfortunately, way too often. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say. Where do you experience then, that from? Where do you, you know, get out at this point? I think it's so. It wasn't when. Here's a great example. It wasn't the. It wasn't the the time that I spent with Sammy initially that really showed me what he was in depth. Um, it was another time, it was a, the, the next time he comes back and he's doing some, like he's spending some time behind the bar. Uh -huh. And now I have tr true bar eyes, right? I can see Noble from the backstage and the front stage. Yeah. I, I have a full understanding of what it takes to make it through a night of service. But I see him in service doing something that's entirely unique. He stirs up a Manhattan and brings a frozen glassware out of the out of the glass chiller and sets it in front of a guest and strains the Manhattan in front of the guest, which he had pre-twist he pre-peeled a lemon twist to bring with him. So he did everything right there. So the glass was perfectly cold. The cocktail was as chilled as possible for the maximum amount of time sitting in front of that guest. It to me was this thing that I'm just like what the fuck am I doing and why haven't I done this before? <laughs> How many Manhattans have I made and I haven't gone and considered this extra step? It's so easy. Right. You know, if, if it's like this nice if then statement, if there's one guest sitting at a bar who orders a Manhattan, then you should bring the glassware to with, with your garnish, pour in front of the guest, essentially the impetus for a table side cocktail. Right. Right. In its heart and soul, that's the exact same thing that, that we have here. Right. But it was like this profound moment of hospitality and true trueness in hospitality like undisputed it was the most hospi it was the most hosp hospitable outcome mm -hmm. and and I, I it was just this like childish gosh i'm so stupid for never knowing this <laughs> you know like how many stupid manhattans another another one the same in the same vein i remember you know i had I had mastered, or what I thought I had, you know, this like, we're all the master of, of masters of our own universe and, and really truly masters of nothing. And I had done what I thought was enough homework to start sending Sammy original cocktail recipes. So I send him a recipe, and this is a story I tell quite often. I send him a recipe and he immediately texts me back and he says, you know what, man? Don't send me another recipe, ever, <laughs> until you can make the greatest Manhattan anyone has ever made. And of course, you know that like hurt my feelings. And I'm like, you know what, man? Fuck <laughs> right, you. You're, right. and, you're, whatever, man. And so I'm I'm pissed, and I kind of recoil, and I stew on it for a couple of days, and I realize after a couple of days that this like the 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 deepest mastering of cocktails is sometimes just in the simplest things that are right in front of your face yeah and those simple techniques can be so complex and so in intricate to now it's you know hey you know i i i debate with sammy now about root technique as opposed to this this dope new ingredient that just came out right our conversation is more so about the core process and should that be messed with or right. not? And I think that is such a wholesome conversation to have. It might not be everything now that, yeah. that we talk about. A lot of times when we catch up, we're catching up just as friends. But you know, when, when we get down to business 
It's always about core technique. Yeah. And, and that is such a wholesome thing to have with a mentor-mentee relationship. Mm -hmm. When you talk about core technique, it's like the proverbial bending of the spoon. You know, it's like the Yoda <laughs> of the magic of what we do. Right. Because you're really and truly maximizing the simplest piece of the puzzle, which is dilution and temperature. And what can you do to, to really impact that in a positive way so right. that when the guest gets that cocktail, it's the coldest, right. most perfectly diluted cocktail that they could have. Yeah. You said you sent him an original cocktail recipe. Yeah. How do you define that? How do you, wh at what point can you, because as you just said, he was like, you're not ready. Yeah. You're not ready to send this to me. Go make the perfect drink and then you can start making your own drinks. Right. At what point do you think can bartenders really start straying away and making their own originals? That's a great it, question. You know, I, I think my, the way that I kind of address this same thing is instead of saying, hey man, instead of saying those exact words, right? Make me the, when you make a, a Manhattan, then maybe we can talk. Right. Instead, what I would maybe do is, is lead them down another path. Say, you know, this kind of sounds like another cocktail. Do you know what that cocktail is? And then we can talk about why that cocktail works. Right. Then they have that information about why that cocktail works. If they come back to me and they can explain why they're using this in relationship to this versus something that might be kind of similar over here and somewhere in between they found a niche right they've essentially they're they're questioning the status quo by offering something new right to me that's what i need i need i need my student or i need my mentee to show me that they can fill in a gap or there's something that is missing by using this and this or this new method and this new method that we can find something here that presents this delicious new thing. Right. But until they can do that, I, I won't accept it. Yeah. I might help them get there. Right. But I won't accept it. Interesting. If you could sit in front of someone dead or alive right now, oh. sit in front of their bar and have them make you a drink, who would it be? Shoot. Uh, you know, there's, man, I, Phil Ward is, I, you know, Sammy and Mickey, them together. When they're like, the two of them together is, and they're really like vibing. And I remember some nights of service at Milk and Honey that were just like awesome. And they brought a casualness to a very serious place. And it was just the right, it was a very aware casualness mm -hmm. to a place that was very serious. And that was something that was kind of like lost in time. That was a moment that was really special. Um, today, currently, I think Phil Ward, who's another one of our mentors, helped us with Craft and Commerce. Uh, notoriously grumpy. He's like the grumpy bartender, you know? <laughs> uh, he, he, I mean, I, like, here's, an, here's a story. My wife and I recently, we spent some time in New York uh, before the baby. And, you know, we went and saw a show. We were just having a very New York night. You know, we had a beautiful dinner, we went and saw a show, and then we went to Long Island Bar where, where Phil's been bartending recently. And, you know, I, I remember seeing Phil at Death & Company back in the day and seeing him in his element at uh, Maya Well, which, you know, <laughs> unfortunately is now posthumous. But uh, he, I mean, he was, he was a legendary bartender, but in that, when for some, reason he got he found his way into this Long Island bar which it can be a busy cocktail bar sometimes but 
it's more of a neighborhood vibe where they make good cocktails. It's just right. this beautiful little neighborhood bar. And we sat on the corner of the bar and we were closing out the night and he serves us as just like, like a complimentary touch. He bought us a slice of pecan pie and he served it with a couple shots of Amari. And he's like, you know, I, I was just tasting a little bite of this and I was, I was having a sip of this Amari and I just thought it was the nicest thing and you guys just seem like <laughs> nice people. Yeah. So here you go. And <laughs> That's amazing. He's just this the grumpiest teddy bear you've yeah. ever met. Yeah. And to crack into that shell and, and to have that kind of hospitality from him and to see him in that environment that was so natural, yeah. it was just, it's just awesome. That's it's amazing. It's like legendary. Yeah. And then of course, you know, you know, I still, I haven't crossed off the bucket list yet, a big, a big tour of Japan, which yeah. I'm really looking forward to, both oh God, cuisine and inspiration and new ingredients, and, and, but also, you know, bar right. and, and what bartenders do out there. Right. I'm really right. looking forward to that. Well, yeah, and their whole approach and their culture is just a whole other topic of conversation Absolutely. too, right? So Tia, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on something too. So uh, a good buddy of mine was just recently talking about the Death & Co book and how certain parts of the book and the approach to service reminded him a lot of the training that he had received at Apple. And obviously, you know, they have a very unique training culture and how they, they, they treat their employees. and. Um, have you ever gone outside of the industry to bring in certain aspects of other industries and apply them here? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot, I, I actually brought a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. Uh, when I was in grad school, we did um, a lot of organizational communication studies, which uh, proved to be, but they're more geared towards a, a corporate culture. Yeah. And that, that's always really been a tremendous help for, for me. You know, I think about how much I spent on my my graduate education experience, and I'll be paying for that for a greater portion of my life. But uh, I really think it's it's a tremendous value to me now. A lot of what I learned in school, I still apply today. In fact, I've I've referenced my thesis project. I've referenced uh, course material from multiple courses. Uh, and I've, I've used it as a foundation for how we can do what we do a little bit better mm -hmm. in, a, in a team environment. But the one thing, it's, not, it's still kind of in the same industry, but the, the one thing that really geared me the best for what I do is actually bouncing. Uh, believe it or not, you know, when just checking someone's ID, learning a lot about a person just by asking, and this is kind of the education part mixed with the, the practical application in service, but I was asked, my essentially my job as a door host was to learn a lot about a person just by asking their name. And and that would come in the form of communi nonverbal communication, it would come in the form of, you know, just asking how their day was and, and learning a little bit about that person. Whatever little cue I could get about that person, you know, whether it was remembering someone's name if they were having a tough day and going inside and just making sure, hey, is everything, you, you enjoying yourself? Is, is everything okay? Um, those things paid off in such dividends. I remember there was like a rough and tumble group of Navy SEALs that would come to the bar. And every time they'd come, they'd get in this crazy fight. And no one could break up the fight because these dudes were, they were just these gnarly Navy SEALs. It was kind of like their intent. But one of the guys, I, I just in this these small interactions, you know, we would become friends. 
And sure enough, this guy is still a regular of mine to this day. To this day, he's still, when he comes back into town, he's been on eight tours and been through some really hairy stuff. And to this day, when he's back in town, I know because he shoots me a text message. And the only way that, that I could achieve that is just by genuinely looking that dude in the eyes and saying to him, look, I get it. You go through heavy stuff. I'm here to, I'm here to support you. I need your help. <laughs> I just need your buddies not to go rip this place apart. <laughs> right. And just that little bit of, that little bit of like kinship. Yeah. It, man, it goes so far in such a small window of time. Yeah. And really what you can achieve just by looking somebody in the eyes or saying their name or, or even better, reiterating orders. You know, I, I get, I, I'll get someone's drink order at a bar and just by saying, okay, I want to make sure I have this right. You ordered a Sidewinder Spang and you ordered a zombie, right? I'm coming right back with that. Right. Just the eat, like you can see that their shoulders rest a little bit lower right. and they kind of chill out. Right. And they get their drink and they have a new set of expectations when that drink is in their hand. If you can control that, maybe not always, and that's another important piece to the, to the door host situation, right. right? Not everybody's gonna be happy. Right. And you deal with so many people all the time in, in a big lineup of people coming in, you just realize, look, I can't sweat the small stuff. Some people are going to be unhappy with not getting in right away. Right. It's inevitable. Right. It's just part of the job. But what about the people that are that that I can change? And if I were to just shift my attention on those people instead of the alternative and not really sweat the small stuff, I could probably get a lot done. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's why those two things in synergy really, you know, my education and bouncing, believe yeah. it or not. No, really it's amazing. I mean, taught me a ton. I'm sure it did. Like the bounce. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like how the bouncing component of your career maybe gave you more emotional intelligence to be able to. Oh, I've absolutely. heard from other people how like the, how watching you escort maybe a guest who's had too much to drink at an establishment is like poetry in motion, and that is not an easy thing to do. As we all know, everybody knows in the industry, it's hard to be able to diffuse a situation like that, yeah. right? And, so many little things, and that's so interesting that you bring it up. So many little things that can help you become better at that. Yeah, calm and genuine concern. Yeah. I think calm and genuine concern for, for everybody involved. Yeah. You know, there's whoever it is, there, there's two people that are angry at each other. Well, they're both valid. You know, there's they both have good reasons for being, well, I don't know if they're good reasons or not, but they're reasons. Right. And, it, and they're theirs. And for them, it's good. They're good reasons. Sure. Yeah. As long as I can acknowledge that, and they mm -hmm. can see that, and I can say, I can name that for yeah. them, they're going to more than likely listen. Generally, yeah, it doesn't always happen. Right, right. But you know, if I can just separate them and say, "Hey, I'm here to listen. I'm going to listen to you. You don't have to worry about that." Yeah. And I can calm with them. Then they'll calm with me. Yeah. And it's usually solves itself. Okay, I want to ask you something. So moving from, you know, these, these locations where you were, you know, in it every single day and you're, you're grinding away and you have your hands dirty every single day in service. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, you can see the, the feedback instantaneously from the customers, right? Now you're moving into this bigger position of, um, you know, overseeing more locations. And how do you, how do you transmit that, you know, that sincere care that you have towards your guests and the culture of the restaurant or culture of the bars that you're that you're building how do you instill that in other people so that you don't you, you can't be in every single place every single night right for every service and you yeah. have to have people in the right place that are going to kind of you know fulfill the mission that you're doing but uh, what, what ways have been successful for you 
that you've seen? You know, this is this is such this is the most important question, and I'm so appreciative. Uh, you know, I, this this is essentially as as a corporate entity, as as like core ownership. This is our mo- this is essentially our our vision for the future, and and I and I think that unfortunately I don't have. I don't have the greatest answer for that yet. Uh, I do think that somewhere in the future, there is something of a university type of setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether, you know, I, like, I think of good examples are bartending schools. I think bartending schools for general, for general use are kind of a joke. Uh, they don't teach you this, the hard skills that would prepare a young person for the industry, yeah. from from starting as a prep person or support staff, or as a bar back, or as a bar assistant, or as a server, or as a, a cocktail server, or as a bartender, eventually, all of those things, down to the smallest minutia of how you grab a dasher bottle and how to fill it at what level. I mean, there is so much detail to this, and and I'm very I'm very optimistic about that mm-hmm. and and I see a very bright future because we are we're digging into that yeah and and we're looking to compose something of of a bartender's manual but it's not just a book that we're gonna sell uh, more so of a curriculum that we will teach right and I think that's the bright brave future for us yeah because you can't you can't have these traditions and these stories live on unless you're telling them a lot right and so doing this doing what we're doing right now yeah. sharing these stories creating the tribe that believes in these stories yeah. those stories live on by hopefully them telling their own stories that are of the same metaphor 100%. you know yeah and that's yeah. the intent behind this whole thing exactly yeah. and you know I, I I'm just looking for the best way to tell the story yeah and eventually that will become some type of uh, a, a scholarly approach to yeah. this which is take a class it lasts more than a week you know you're not going to go back you know once a week then you get a test okay you're a you're a bartender there you go it's not going to work like that it's going to be a longer process there will be potentially apprenticeships available potentially internships uh advanced programs you know i i I see a a real important future for us in that way especially as we we grow quite big yeah i'm so excited man can't wait to see it yeah well t thank you so much for your time dude i really appreciate it Hey guys, thanks again for watching another episode of Hospitality TV. Please don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hospitality TV. We are also live on iTunes podcast, Hospitality TV podcast. Check us out. Nice. See you soon.